What up, world? It's your Passverse point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're giving you the deadline preview. That's the trade deadline, which is tomorrow at noon Pacific. It's coming up fast. They moved it up in the day so we can get primetime TV out of it. And if you live here on the West Coast like me, it means it happens at lunchtime. Keep your phones close because things are going to happen. In fact, I'm a little bit worried that while I'm recording this podcast, things are going to happen that make this not as useful as I was hoping it would be. But I'm going to try to give you some evergreen content as we head into an exciting, whatever, 20 hours, 18 hours, maybe less, depending on when you listen to this, uh, of the NBA season. So... Here's what we're going to do. I want to talk about what the Blazers have done at past trade deadlines. I want to look ahead to just answer the question, are they done? They've already made a deal at this trade deadline. Spoiler alert. Are they done dealing? What can they do from here on out? And then we'll close the show with some news. There's been some news this week. Uh, I kind of missed it. It's not big news, but there's some minor news. So we'll close the show talking about the minor news. So let's, let's start, though, with Blazers trade deadlines past. Now, going through... The uh, annals of Blazer history doesn't seem particularly valuable, but let's just look at Neil Olshay's history with the team. He came here in 2012 along with Damian Lillard. He's been through seven trade deadlines. I guess this will be his eighth. So Blazer's general manager and president of basketball operations. So let's look back at what he's done and what it might tell us about what he could do in the future. In 2013, he traded for point guard Eric Maynard. The Blazers didn't really have a backup point guard. They wanted someone to relieve some of Damian Lillard's ball handling responsibilities. He was leading the NBA in minutes and uh, maybe playing a little bit too much as a rookie or just shouldering too much of a load, even though he was fantastic that year. Uh, they got a backup point guard to let Dame play off the ball a little bit. It would be a trend for the first four or five years of Dame's career, that that was, that was what they would do. They would try to find him guys like Mo Williams or Steve Blake that he could play off the ball next to. They've kind of given up that plan because Dame is too good to take the ball out of his hands now. But that was Neil's first move, a minor move to shore up an obvious weakness in a roster. And that team was still vaguely competitive. They ended up missing out in the playoffs because they lost their last 13 straight. But at, at the time, they were still kind of in the hunt, surprisingly in the hunt at that stage. 2014, Neil didn't do anything. 2015, this was the big swing. He sent Will Barton, Victor Claver, and Thomas Robinson, as well as a first-round pick, to the Denver Nuggets in exchange for veteran wings Aaron Aflalo and Alonzo G. Aaron Aflalo was, it was widely praised, the Aaron Aflalo deal at the time. Even Greg Popovich, unprompted, said that the Blazers made a really smart move to get a player who could play. Here's the thing, Aflalo never really fit in, and then when Wesley Matthews went down with an Achilles injury, Aflalo didn't seize that role particularly well because he eventually hurt his shoulder in the playoffs, but even down the stretch of the season, he wasn't a good fit in Terry Stotts' offense. Eventually, it was clear that CJ McCollum was way better than him, and that trade kind of fell flat. In 2016, the following year, the Blazers were kind of surprisingly good. They had a young core that had pivoted in the previous summer, and they had some cap space to burn. So what did they do? 
They absorbed Anderson Verzhov's contract in exchange for a first-round pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs were wheeling and dealing, needed to get off some money. Blazers came in and helped them, absorbed some, absorbed a bad deal. Verzhov, who they ended up stretching and waving. They also traded for Brian Roberts and a second-round pick. This was both. This was. Continuing the trend of Neil trying to shore up obvious problems in the roster, the Blazers could have, they, they needed another ball handler. Brian Roberts wasn't super key and he didn't play a lot, but they, again, they kind of, they were missing that, uh, a new point guard. Uh, they had to waive uh, Tim Frazier in this deal and so, uh, to make the Vergeau deal happen, so getting Brian Roberts kind of filled in that, that backup emergency point guard role. B-Rob didn't really do anything, although he was a very nice dude. But continuing, I guess, bucking the trend the following year. Instead of shoring up an obvious problem, Neil Olshay maybe decided to pull the plug a little bit. And he went the other direction. Probably for the first time in his tenure, he had a team that was good and underachieving. And instead of making a minor move to uh, shore up the roster, which had been his MO to that point, he made a move at the time that was looked like he was just calling it good. And saying, we will try again next year. This team stinks. It's too bad. He traded Mason Plumley and a second round pick in exchange for a top five protected first round pick from the Denver Nuggets, along with disgruntled 23-year-old center Yusuf Nurkic. At the time, Neil Olshay didn't speak to reporters. The team was in bad was in a bad spot, and he did one interview with internal media. He spoke with Brooke Olsendam, the team's sideline reporter. He that's the only person he talked to publicly about the trade, and he touted the first round pick. He didn't mention really Yusuf Nurkic. This was all about getting a first round pick, building for the future. They felt like they had a they had a valuable pick moving forward. This was going to be something that was really going to help them. Turns out Yusuf Nurkic saved their season, changed the direction of the franchise, and ended up being sort of like a signature move in hindsight. But I want to say, I want to just emphasize at the time, the Yusuf Nurkic deal was was about the was absolutely about the first round pick, more so than it was about the Bosnian beast. It just turned out to be about the Bosnian beast, and will end up being a signature move of Neil Olshie's tenure period. 2018, the following year, the Blazers were above the tax line, and the only move they made at the deadline was dumping Noah Vonley to the Bulls in exchange for a European rights player so they could get under the luxury tax. They uh, it didn't it didn't work out great for them, and that in that offseason, uh, it it'll it'll happen. It happens sometimes. They got swept out of the playoffs. Um, this it looked like. Maybe not making a move and just rolling in with who they had at the time was maybe a mistake. That team was, the Blazers were really good in the regular season, but they were exposed a little bit in the playoffs. The following year, 2019, this is a big one, a big a big offseason for old Neil. He traded Nick Stauskas, Wade Baldwin, and two second-round picks to Cleveland exchange for Rodney Hood, who ended up being a playoff hero. Looking back at Rodney Hood's numbers, he wasn't great during the regular season. He was really bad during the first round of the playoffs, but he was awesome against Denver, hit one of the signature shots in the history of uh, the franchise. His game three quadruple overtime three-pointer to send the Blazers to an epic, epic win. 
Also that same deadline, Neil swapped Caleb Swanigan for Scalabi Sierra. In 2020, prior to the deadline, but kind of a deadline deal mid-season, it's, it's deadline season, trade season, he traded Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second-round picks to Sacramento in exchange for Trevor Reza, Wenyan Gabriel, and bringing back Caleb Swanigan. The deal was um, in part about getting better on the wing, but it was a great deal about lowering, lowering the Blazers' overall salary and overall luxury tax payments. So far, it has worked out really well. Trevor Reza looks like a really good fit. I don't think this is a season-saving trade, but it's certainly... An undeniable improvement, adding Ariza and a little bit of backup minutes for Caleb Swanigan. It has made the team better, even if that was only a secondary concern. So why I bring all of this up is, one, because uh, a listener asked me to kind of do a brief overview. Uh, this is Mike Stand at Real Mike Stand on Twitter. I missed your question, Mike, um, in uh, Mailbag Monday, so I told you I'd come back to it. I want You asked me for a brief overview of Neil's tenure. Obviously, this d- isn't everything. It isn't his off-season trades or his free agent signings or all those things that encompass his tenure with the Blazers, but I think what the deadline history shows is that he has most often at the deadline used this trading period to make minor deals. He hasn't made big swings. He's not someone who makes big swings. He didn't trade... All those young guys who he picks and grooms, Pat Connaughton, Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless, uh, Alfruka Minu to some extent, all these guys that that uh, Neil finds as kind of like diamonds in the rough, he very rarely trades. He kind of just, he's more likely, Jake Lehman, I guess is another one you could throw in there, he's much more likely to let these guys walk, keep them on the team because they help the team on the floor in the short term, and let them walk in the summertime because they're going to get paid more money somewhere else, or trade them away, or in, in Mo Harkless's case, but... He's not afraid to make minor moves. Obviously, the Aaron Aflalo thing was a very big swing. Um, the Yusuf Nurkic thing was a relatively big swing just because Mason Plumlee was a, was a starting center and had kind of proved to be um, a valuable part of the core, even though he was not working out well that season. That team just couldn't defend anyone. I'd say Rodney, the Rodney Hood deal is maybe his most significant because it uh, it took on money and it traded away young end-of-the-bench guys for a real person who was going to immediately play and and, and be part of the rotation. Um, it was an obvious go-for-it move. It's That's probably the more obvious, go, as obvious a go-for-it move as he has had outside of Aaron Aflalo, which is certainly his biggest swing. But this is what Neil does. He makes minor moves. He tinkers with the roster. He's not going to trade away his big core parts. He's not going to trade away the guy he grooms up. He's going to try to get better around the edges. And we'll talk about this in the second segment. He's already kind of done that. Is he going to do more? But before we get to that second segment, I want to tell you guys about an awesome giveaway from the Locked On Podcast Network. You can win two tickets to see your favorite team and their home arena by guessing an NBA trade perfectly before it happens. We're calling this pre-bomb the Woj bomb. Shout out to Adrian Wojnarowski. We're using your likeness. So here's what you do. You go to any of the Locked On NBA Net accounts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's at Locked On NBA Net, N-E-T, on Twitter. You post the trade that you think will happen. You tag five people with your trade, with the trade in your post. So five of your friends, you say, look at this great trade I'm sending to Locked On Podcast Network. If you're right, then you have a chance to win two tickets to see your favorite team play in their home arena. You can see the Blazers at the Moda Center down the stretch. 
You don't have to guess a Blazer trade. Guess any trade that happens. If you predict it accurately using um, ESPN Trade Machine or any of those other uh, websites out there that allow you to do this thing, you could win tickets. Trades will be evaluated based on players and picks, not cash. Don't worry about that. If multiple people win, the first person with the correct trade is the winner. One winner will be chosen across all locked on social accounts. If no one guesses the exact trade, the winner will be the one closest to the pin, in quotes. So guess, because if you get really close, you could still win tickets and you could still see your favorite team. I'm going to assume that's the Trailblazers if you're listening to my voice right now, in action. So... Go now, pre-bomb the Woj Bomb with your trade deadline trades at Locked on NBA Net. All right, so we talked about the Neil Olshay's history at the trade deadline. I hope that was helpful in sort of considering how he's approached this in the past. Let's talk about the present, though, because that's what matters. I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, really, in, uh, in, in the Pacific time zone, nighttime for you East Coast listeners. So things can trade quickly. My uh, my phone is is lighting up right now. No trades involving the Blazers, but trades are happening. There was that huge trade on Tuesday. Four teams sending Clint Capella to the Hawks, Robert Covington to the uh, Houston Rockets. The Denver Nuggets got involved, sending their restricted young, restricted free agents over to Minnesota. And for their troubles, the Nuggets got back two former Blazers, Shabazz Napier and No Vonley, but got you know, got rid of their restricted free agents before uh, before they walked in free agency. So things are happening. Looks like Andre Iguodala, while I am recording this podcast, is getting traded to the Miami Heat. The proverbial hot stove is heating up. But I don't want to talk about the rest of the league just yet. We will do a trade uh, deadline review after things are all settled, when the dust settles on Thursday evening. But right now, I just want to answer the question, are the Blazers done? They've made their trade. They got Trevor Ariza and Caleb Swanigan and Wenyan Gabriel. They sent out uh, some of their more tradable pieces, at least one of their most tradable pieces in Kent Bazemore. So, are they done? And my answer to that is probably. Uh, There's a couple reasons for that. Um, the Ariza deal has obviously helped. I said that before and I want to say it again. It's helped. I don't think this is like season changing because I think they were so far in the hole and they, they'd have to get so hot to get out of the eighth seed. They're going to have to even play pretty well to get to that eighth seed and not and, and make the playoffs, period. So this might not be season altering, uh, but it definitely makes them better on the court. And I think there's some risk to shaking up this group so quickly. But why I say shaking up this group so quickly is because the the people involved, like the the potential trade chips, are relatively limited. Theoretically, CJ McCollum is the biggest trade asset you trade asset they have, but they're not trading CJ McCollum. They're not trading CJ McCollum right now. I don't think they're going to trade him this summer. I think CJ McCollum is going to play out his contract with the Blazers, barring a massive change in the front office. None of the young guys in the back end of the Blazers roster really move the needle in the way that you could get a valuable asset in return. Uh, Anthony Simons is probably going to be a good NBA player, but he isn't one right now, and he's not making the kind of money that you can get back a really solid vet in return. Gary Trent Jr. looks better, but he's looked better for three weeks. That might not be enough to entice other teams to really jump on a limited defender wing who can shoot it, but has only played serious NBA like serious productive NBA minutes for a month. Nazir Little, uh, you know, right now he's dealing with an ankle injury. He's going to miss Thursday night's game. That's some news for you. But uh, he's 
he's fine, I, but I don't think he's a needle mover by any means. Like, I don't think other teams are um, are going to be pining after him. And Hassan Whiteside is the guy you trade, right? Like, he's the one we've talked about on this podcast a million times. Will they trade Hassan? Who could they get for Hassan? Where's Kevin Love? All these things. Um, Hassan Whiteside is hard to move. I don't think there is a big market for anyone making this kind of money in the league. $27 million is just a hard contract to move. You need a lot of help to do this. Um, there was, there's, you know, that four-team trade is is a hard thing to get going. And uh, finding just a single team that wants to take Hassan Whiteside back and give the Blazers things they want is difficult. Plus, I don't think there's a lot of teams lining up to sign a 30-year-old true center. I just don't think that's the way the league is headed. Um, getting his his bird rights um, isn't particularly valuable because he's probably going to take a relatively sizable pay cut. I don't think there's a lot of teams who want to do that. And if they do want to add a offense a gaudy stats center in the offseason at a high price tag, they can go pay Andre Drummond. I think Hassan Whiteside's hard to move. In addition, Yusuf Nurkic is not even practicing right now. He's dealing with a right calf injury that's a minor setback as he works his way back from a very serious left leg fracture that's going to cost him almost a full year of basketball action. If Nurk was healthy, if Zach Collins was healthy, if Scalabissier was even healthy, if the Blazers had other options, not named Caleb Swanigan, I think you could at least consider the market. So all those things. Um, there's a limited market for Hassan. They really need him on the court. He's been playing a little better. And like I mentioned, there's you don't want to... If you finally started playing well over the last two weeks, do you really want to shake up that chemistry? And think about the future and not the present. I think the Blazers want to make the playoffs, so they would like to get, they would like to maintain a certain level of competitiveness if they trade us on. It just doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Outside of that, the Blazers just don't have the right type of contracts to make small moves. They've already kind of made their move, in my eyes, because if you look at the roster, they've got three guys making more than $27 million CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Hassan Whiteside. High, high-end, max-type guys, right? Then they've got eight guys making less than $2.5 million. Six guys on rookie deals and Mario and Mello on veteran minimum deals. So as you head down the roster, that basically leaves two tradable guys, right? Zach Collins, who they're not going to trade, and Rodney Hood, who's out with an Achilles injury for many more months. Olshay has said publicly that he plans to have not only Rodney Hood and Zach Collins back on the team next year, but he plans to have them in the starting lineup. You don't trade those guys. The Blazers just don't have a lot of avenues. Neil has already done his thing where he said, here's an issue we have. We're not big enough or long enough or good enough defensively on the wing. He made a minor move. Uh, he, he cashed in a big chip with Kent Bazemore's uh, expiring contract and two second-round picks for, for the Troubles. Um Feels like he's made his move. Feel like the Blazers are probably done. It doesn't mean that they're definitely done, but I think just functionally, they've probably already cashed in their chips. They've probably already done the thing they're going to do. They've gotten marginally better on the court, which is a Neil Olshay signature, and they've left themselves with a roster that has a lot of guys who are either hard to trade or the team has no interest in trading. All right, third segment, come back and talk about the news. But I want to remind you, win tickets to see the Blazers. Just tweet a trade deal at locked on NBA net. You can also find those accounts on Facebook and Instagram. Tag five friends in the post. 
if you are correct or you end up closest to the pin because nobody gets it right, you can win tickets to see the Blazers at the Moda Center or if you don't live here, wherever you live, your favorite team in person. So get those trade ideas ready. Tweet them at LockedOnNBANet or find those accounts on Facebook and Instagram by the same name. Tag five people, make it happen, win tickets. Okay, closing out the show with some news, some news. Um, this this stuff is barely news to me. Dame didn't win player of the month. And look, he was the best player in the NBA in January, not just the best player in the Western Conference. That award, the NBA gave it to LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers were better record-wise in January than... Uh, then the Blazers, Blazers went eight and seven in January. They started kind of, they really struggled at the beginning of the month. They've been really good to close it, or they were really good to close it since we're in February now. But the NBA always gives these weekly and monthly awards based on team record. I saw um, someone who covers the team tweet out, Dame won player of the week. He definitely deserved it. He's almost certainly going to win player of the month next. And my thought was, he might not because the NBA does weird stuff. They just, this is kind of how they do it. They do weird stuff, and it's always tied to team record. Hence, Carmelo Anthony won Player of the Week when the Blazers went 3-0 that week that uh, James Harden averaged 50 points. Two, this isn't like the All-Star snub. When you miss out on the All-Star game, it affects your legacy. And even if you think, oh, the All-Star stuff is stupid, when you look back at guys' careers, if you say, wow, he was a six-time All-Star versus, wow, he was a two-time All-Star, that's a huge gulf. Even five versus seven, even three versus four. Four-time All-Star just sounds a lot better in a 10-year, 12-year NBA career than a three-time All-Star. That stuff matters. All-NBA matters. That matters for legacy. It's how we rank guys in the sort of Bill Simmons pantheon, whatever, Bill Simmons pyramid but it's just that stuff matters for how people get paid and how how we appreciate them when they're gone how we compare them to the greats of other eras that stuff matters nba player of the month that shit doesn't matter guys i i think the nba got it wrong dame was the best player in the nba in january certainly the best player He, he had the best one of the best stretches in the history of the league to close the month and they did the wrong thing but i i can't get too upset about it it's fine Okay, more Dame news. He's in the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend. He's also going to play in the game on Sunday, but I, in my, for my money, All-Star Saturday night is more fun than the game on Sunday. So, Dame, currently, according to uh, Bet Online, who sends out odds to people like me, Damian Lillard has the best odds to win, the shortest odds to win the NBA three-point contest along with defending champion Joe Harris. Uh, Dame's in the contest along with Joe Harris of Brooklyn, Atlanta's Trey Young, Washington's Davis Burton, Sacramento's Buddy Heald, Miami's Duncan Robinson, Charlotte's Devontae Graham, and Chicago's Zach Levine. Also, there's a new format in this year's dunk contest. There's going to be two new shots from six feet beyond the three-point line out to 35 feet. They'll be worth three points each. And rounds will now, that means rounds will now have 27 shots as opposed to 25. And because of the backing up and taking these deep threes, uh, there'll be 70 second rounds and they were previously 60 seconds. This is a fun thing. I don't think it's necessary. I think the three-point contest was per, is sort of perfectly good without this. Um, and But I will say this. If there's anyone in the league that will benefit from taking deep threes and having them count for more, it's Damian Lillard. So if you're someone who likes to gamble on frivolous stuff, 
Um, I know he's got the shortest odds, so he won't win the most money, but um, at least you can feel good about his chances when maybe you were mad. This maybe will brighten your day if you're so mad about him not winning Player of the Month in January. You can be happy about him being favored in the three-point contest. Also, an athletic young player that Neil Olshay acquired on draft night is headed for the dunk contest. And y'all, it's not Anthony Simons. The Let Ant Dunk campaign fell short. Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks, former Portland Trailblazers, headed to the dunk contest along with Derek Jones Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Dwight Howard. Um, no no thanks from me on that dunk field. Um, cool, happy for Pat. Uh, this just kind of happens. The Bucks are really good, so they're going to get another all-star participant. Um, the Blazers are not particularly good, and... Anthony hasn't, if if Ant was having a really good season and was already going to be there at All-Star Weekend, he would 100% be involved in the dunk contest, but he didn't get invited to the Rising Stars game. None of the young Blazers players did. Not Ant, not Gary Trent Jr., not Nazir Little. I don't think they got snubbed. That's not what I'm here to say, but if Simons had, I do think if Simons had, was going to be there on Friday night, they would have invited him to be there on Saturday night. So after you got excited about Dame being a three-point contest, you can get mad again about them not including Ant. Um, I like seeing little guys dunk more than big guys. I'm not super excited to see Dwight Howard in the dunk contest at in year 15 of his career or whatever it is. Um, Ant would have been more fun to me. Uh, the league is about marketing. Dwight is a much better, like, he's just a better draw. Aaron Gordon's a better draw. Derek Jones Jr. has been in the dunk contest before, and for whatever reason, the NBA really likes him. Uh, he's also been good on the court a little bit for the Heat this year, too. Uh, certainly better than Pat, uh, certainly better than Ant. Uh, and Pat is just a benefit of the Bucks being the best team in the NBA. That's the news. Listen to this, listen to this, hopefully you listen to this as soon as it popped up in your feed, because the trade deadline is is going to be upon us before we know it. I will have a recap of what happened around the league and what it means for the Blazers and kind of putting things in context after Thursday evening's game. It'll pro- That episode will probably come out Friday, so look for it then, after the Blazers play the Spurs, before they play the Utah Jazz. That's what we got on the docket this week. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it where they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else. Overcast, all your apps. Get out there. Subscribe to Lockdown Blazers. Tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.